February 20th, 2020. Apology to alpacas. I don't know what to do with myself on Thursdays now that I'm trying to take that day away from the sanctuary. Perhaps they will become throwback Thursdays for reflecting back over half a century. Today I woke up wondering how I could ever have been so insensitive to another creature. I don't think I was dreaming about the incident from somewhere around 1977, but rather it just popped into my head during that hazy time between waking up and getting up. I was 16 and walking down Kennedy Boulevard, just a few blocks west of this spot, when a man pulled over and asked if I was a model. It seemed to be the standard line back then. I guess many girls, including me, thought that modeling was a dream career. Little did we know it was just a ruse. I got in his car and he drove me down near Bayshore Boulevard. I was wearing a soft, off-white cotton three-quarter sleeve blouse my mother had bought me. It had pirate sleeves, and I loved it. I think I was wearing the same green plaid slacks I'd won the right to wear in school a few years back, and was probably wearing sandals or moccasins. I had probably been sitting in on hearings at the courthouse earlier, because I really enjoyed watching the attorneys make their arguments for both sides. I was walking away from downtown, and there wasn't much of anything else I would have been doing down there. Had I been slumming with the homeless people, another favorite pastime, I would have been dressed like them. I remember the shirt vividly, because this man, whose name I've long forgotten, if I even knew it, took some of the best photos of me that day that I've ever had in my modeling portfolio. They showed me, because he asked me not to smile for the camera or do anything forced. He said I should just relax and be me. This is the actual photo. The photos I carried around from that day showed just that. I can remember leaning back against the wall of an old building, feeling the sun warm on my face and long blonde hair, and making the blouse feel like I was just wrapped in angel wings. My expression was one of being at peace and a knowing. He drove me to his business, which was in a little back alley of Hyde Park, back when Hyde Park was not the place to be. The store seemed to cater to the Gasparilla crowd, as there were dark walls full of cheap, shiny plastic beads, like the ones commonly thrown in the parades, and lots of pirate paraphernalia. He led me to a back room that was a dark, dusty office-slash-bedroom, and then into a closet that was his makeshift dark room, where we developed the photos. While they dried, he asked if I had ever made love on alpaca fur. I had not. He ceremoniously unrolled the rug into the middle of the floor and invited me to lay naked on it. It was such an amazing feeling. I was so caught up in the luxurious feel of the soft fur against my skin that I really didn't care what he did to me. Most of the time, I didn't care what men did to me, and I'd often just float outside my body, totally detached, but this time I wanted to stay in my skin just to experience the alpaca fur, even if it meant enduring his sweaty humping. I thought back on that morning wondering, who the hell were you? Why didn't that just sicken me to the point of vomiting that I would be laying atop several slaughtered alpacas? I don't know how I could have been so detached from who they were that their lives must have been who they were, what their lives must have been, and their sad fate. 
It's even more bizarre when I think about Big Cat Rescue starting by ending the cat fur trade. I don't know how I could have had no feelings for the alpacas, and yet willing to sacrifice every semblance of a normal life to save cats. Dom was buying llamas and alpacas when we stumbled across Winsong Bobcat, and one of the llamas he bought had the brown and white color of that alpaca rug. He was about the friendliest hoofed animal I'd ever met. He'd follow me around the yard, constantly peering over my shoulder with keen interest in anything I was doing. You'd think if I was going to have a come-to-Jesus moment, it would have been then. I'm sure I thought about it, but don't remember being this moved. Don gave the llama to me as a pet, rather than send him out to graze untended pastures, and he called him Oliver because it sounded like Iliver, which is what he said both he and the llama felt about me. At least it was true of the llama. Maybe stranger yet is my response to Romeo the bobcat today. He had presumably been struck by a car, and his pelvis was broken in six places. The vet recommended cage rest because it was already healing straight, and there was no way to pin or plate it. Two days ago, Jamie gave him his first live rat since arriving to test his ability and keep him in hunting shape. He couldn't catch it, and I don't know if it was Jamie or another rehabber who gave him a second rat yesterday. All day, he seemed fearful of the rats, and they were quite bold about annoying him now that there were two. I had gone to bed last night wondering if they would bite him or just give him such anxiety that he wouldn't get the rest that he needed to heal. I realize I'm having an alpaca moment here by valuing one life over another, but what took me even more surprise, but what took me even more by surprise was my reaction to Christine Mesner's daily overnight bobcat report. She reported that something seemed to flip a switch in Romeo as darkness fell, and he killed and ate both rats. Afterwards, he was the most bold and content that I've seen him on the cameras. We both shed happy tears for him, and speaking only for myself, didn't mourn the passing of the rats. I do feel thankful for their sacrifice, but that's of little importance to them. I just can't explain the speciesism. I wrote my first letter for the Asia for Animals Coalition, which is composed of 22 well-known and respected animal welfare organizations, including Big Cat Rescue. The coalition is further supported by a global network of over 600 animal welfare organizations working together to tackle issues across Asia as one voice. Our role has always been to sign on to the letters written by other coalition members. They've been doing this since 2001, and we've been signing on since 2016. I was so incensed that the IUCN had ignored their own research study and eight of their own Congress members were in favor of the, hunty, hunt, of the trophy hunting lobby. I asked if the coalition would be willing to sign on to a letter to IUCN to adopt the position supported in the Bosselman study, which stated that, quote, the crucial question is whether trophy hunting, as practiced by individuals and promoted by certain hunting organizations, is compatible with the general objectives of the IUCN. This is clearly not the case, the report said. Quote, any other view would jeopardize the credibility of IUCN for moral and ethical leadership in conservation policy, unquote. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.